Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. <laughs> Welcome to the Daily Covey on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, February 24th. I'm Carter, and I'm joined by the bad man Majama in a hat, Carrie Smith. Hi, Carter. <laughs> Hi, Carrie. <laughs> it's your hat. It's the intricately knitted hat. The one that Heather made, yeah. You called me out for typing, but I'm trying to bring up the live chat. Oh, you're there allowed to bring up the live chat. I just okay, didn't. You, there was like very lots of clicking happening when I was supposed to say hello to everyone. So Got that's why I was okay. like, stop typing. Uh, okay. Anyway, welcome, everyone. And uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, Carrie, I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. Oh, you know what? Elizabeth in chat says, when am I going to admit that this is a knitting channel? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not... It's not a knitting channel, but... <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a knitting channel sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, Lately. We, we love the knitting community. That's good. Uh, so, Carrie, I don't know what you want to talk about. I got a few things. Do you have anything in particular you want to dive into first? And by the way, if anyone in chat has anything they want to talk, talk about, please let us know. Also... Um, as a reminder, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Welcome to the new subscribers who have come over. I think Gracie was on a show the other day and pointed some people our way. Um, I know we probably have a lot of new viewers also because of Dr. K. So welcome if you're new. Um, I have I have something I'd like to talk about. Did By you see the means. video I Did you see the video I sent you? Uh which video i don't know which video you sent me but i did you mean the J debbie chandler video uh the other knitter no no the one i just sent you today did it not the ariel scarcella video yeah that one yes that she's one of the things i want to talk about today so that's good yep okay let's get into it well uh sure <laughs> Maybe I should pull up this article. So, so I, actually, did you know who Ariel Scarcella was before, Carrie? No, I had no idea. I just, lots of people sent me this video. And I think we're going to start to see just more, as we lead up to the election, you're going to start to see more and more people rejecting the SJW left in whatever way they choose to do it. Some people are going to be straight up hashtag walk away people. Some people are just going to say, I'm leaving this crazy woke culture, whatever it is. Um, some people are going to go to the Republican party. Some people are just going to become independents like I did. Some people are going to, but in various forms and to various degrees, you're going to see people abandoning this SJW ideology that has cannibalized the left. And I think, and, and the reason why I predict you're going to see more of it leading up to the election is not, not necessarily because that means they're going to also leave the democratic party or vote a certain way or whatever. It's just because, I think in the lead up to the election, the SJW leftists are going to continue doubling down. It's going to get worse. Yeah, it's, they, it's like more they front don't and center now lesson. than it was in the past. Yeah, um. yeah. So, so this video, I'm, you might have a different way to set it up, but the video was just another person leaving. She titled it something like "I'm a lesbian and I'm leaving the woke left" or something like that. And lots of people sent it to me, so I felt like, yeah, we should talk about it because that's another big one. From what I understand, she's doing interviews and stuff now, and um, you know, kudos for her. Yeah. Um, so 
she is a she's actually quite a big YouTuber. I didn't I don't know her, but she's uh she's a lesbian and that's relevant because she talks about lesbianism. That's that's why it matters. That's I think the subject matter predominantly of her channel. She focuses on culture. And I you know, Carrie, I looked at some of her older videos as well. She kind of so she announced on Tim Pool's podcast that she was quote leaving the progressive left, what she called I think the insane progressive left. But she kind of had already left, and actually, in her conversation with Tim, it, it came out that really she do, she hasn't changed at all. She just feels like the left has left her, as you and I have discussed. Many yeah. people feel that way. But she had a video um, way back in like early 2018 called uh, "I Won't Apologize for Being Transphobic," which they the the progressive left have used against her, saying, "See, you're admitting you're transphobic." When in actuality, she was saying that in response to them calling her transphobic, she didn't believe what she was doing was transphobic. And so she's saying, I'm not going to apologize for this thing that I didn't do because I'm not transphobic. Uh, right. Like, like I'm not going to apologize for being Nazi because I'm not a Nazi. Right. But they're using that to be like, see, she said she was not going to apologize for being a Nazi. Therefore, she's admitting she's a Nazi. That's, that's oh. how that works. <laughs> right. Stupid. So, um, but yeah, and she's had a lot of trans... Uh, people on her program over the years. She's had Blair White. So, um, and she also had another video in 2018 called Dear Trans Women, Stop Pushing Girl Dick on Lesbians. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, did, did Tiger have something to say about that? Tiger is, uh, yeah, I've got him on mute. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, anyway, so, so yeah, she's been increasing so way back in 2018 I, I watched one of her videos she actually said she was kind of red pilling a little bit back then so she's clearly this has been a journey i think she's been on youtube for like 10 years but this has been a journey and i think what has the, the thing that kind of pushed her over the edge that made her want to like, come out and say i'm leaving the progressive left officially was this article so there's a mardi gras event in sydney called the sydney gay and lesbian mardi gras and they had only, according to her, they had only one lesbian event. The entire thing only had, like, one lesbian session. And she was in it. It was a panel, panel speaker. She was one of the panel speakers. And they removed that event fr uh, from the association with the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. So uh, over, over pressure from people who were saying that she was transphobic. And this article came out in Pink News. If you want to see some craziness, Pink News is fun to follow because um, according to Ariel, it's run by some gay males who are apparently not very tolerant of the lesbian community and use the word turf a lot. But anyway, uh, so yeah, her YouTube channel, 630,000. It's a big YouTube channel, right? Wow. It's yeah. a big YouTube channel. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's huge. And so they say, hey, there was a petition going around to get this transphobic person uh, banned. And there's nothing in this article that says what she's actually doing. It's just kind of like, yes, she's transphobic, as detailed in videos like why I won't apologize for being transphobic. Um, oh, God. Right? And it's because, you know, not everyone's going to click on this stuff. Right? And so an online petition went around, and she was... She was 
band, basically. There's not really, but it's a 17-day festival, and she says, you took the one lesbian female-focused event down because of a bunch of crybaby complaints that they don't like a woman's opinion, her, her opinion. And of course, Pink News being Pink News says, uh, it's highly unlikely that Scarcella's cancellation is a huge loss in lesbian representation that she thinks it is, right? You don't care. You're a bunch of woke gay men who don't give a crap about the lesbian community, let's be honest. So anyway, she came out on Tim Pool and she, I think, said a lot of the things that we would want her to say. That She talked about how intolerant the, the progressive left has become. She talked about how um, if you are basically she she compared a lot of their ideology to conversion therapy which i think is a good analogy so lesbians being told that if they don't want to sleep with trans women who are pre-op so this is like people who have male genitalia they're transphobic or they're biphobic or whatever it is and and being told that all you have to do lesbians is adjust your preferences to like penises as well which sounds an awful lot like conversion therapy to me and and does to her as well. So those were her those were her basic arguments, those are her basic reasons for coming out. I have seen people complain that it's not okay to ha- I just we, I, there was just a Twitter conversation about this right before the show about hey, you know, people shouldn't be heroes when they they do a lot of damage and finally they they eject themselves from the progressive left, they should need to make amends for all the damage they did. It's not clear to me, actually, that she was, at least for the past several years, it's not clear to me she's been pushing progressive left agenda at all. It seems like she has not been. Um, But, you know, she points out that... Well, that doesn't matter. Because, I'm sorry, is my microphone on or off? off. No, your microphone's on. Go ahead. Okay. doesn't matter because she, if, if they're trying to pin her on that, like, progressions take a while. Like, you know... My conversion, my conversion, leaving the SJW left started for me in the summer of 2016, probably, if I had to pin it to a time period. But I didn't write my essay for another year. I didn't write my leaving the SJW cult essay until until May of 2017. So it took me almost a year even to articulate what was happening inside of me and try to explain it. And, And at that time, I mean, you know, I'm so different now. My beliefs have evolved so much since then. It continues to evolve. So who knows at what point she started to leave. If they're looking and saying, well, two years ago, you were already kind of red-pilled and you weren't like, who cares? She's still telling you the the truth about her evolution. Um, I mean, I need to watch more of her videos and figure out. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't have time and I'm not going to watch more of her videos. I'll be honest. But (laughs) let's not lie to the audience, Carrie. Let's not lie. I was like, I need to, but I'm not going to, (laughs) but I will watch an interview with her. I would like to watch a succinct interview where she explains her evolution. That would be cool. Um, But yeah, if they're trying to ding her on some technicality of like, well, you were already, your beliefs were already evolving at, you know, a year ago or two. Yeah, of course. That's how beliefs evolve. They evolve over, in my experience, it's not some quick change. It's like a long, drawn-out process. So No, that wasn't that wasn't what was happening. It was people that were dinging her saying um, she was on the progressive left for a long time, and the non-progressive left people should not worship her as a hero because she's come over. She should have to do penance because she pushed a leftist agenda for, agenda for so long that now she's not she's pushing not- one. And I get that sentiment totally as someone who's not been on the progressive left ever. 
Uh, I totally get that sentiment. On the other hand, I actually don't know how much of the leftist agenda she's been pushing. Uh, well, Bob, and Bob, you know, I have a comment on that. Can yeah. I make it? Okay, go screw yourselves. Don't tell people they need to do penance. Are you an SJW? <laughs> They're the ones who are like, you haven't self-flagellated enough. Screw you. Anybody who's like, oh, you're you're too, you're here to the party late. Go do penance before you get to enjoy the party with us. That makes me mad. Go F yourself. And by the way, she is doing penance. She's got a popular YouTube channel with 600,000 followers. What do you have? Why don't you go talk to your one follower, whoever's saying crap like that, do penance. Wow, you're very angry That's, about this. I get makes me very angry. It's like the people who, it's like that comment on Kelly Day. Kelly Day is another former SJW who we interviewed who's in, in Canada who is running for office. And somebody on one of her videos was like, well, you know, it was, they were basically like, you haven't done enough to make up for your past SJW sense. Screw you. She's got a YouTube channel. She's running for office. She's talking about her old ideology. What have you done? You, you might as well be an SJW with that attitude, you resentful, hateful hack. Sorry. Yeah. Well, after you've said all that, I totally sympathize with that attitude. I just don't actually think okay. I get that attitude. I don't have the belief that that should happen. Uh, I check myself from saying that. And the reason I check myself from saying that is because we do want people to come over. We do want people to understand. Like, we should be like, yeah, they're, they, they're, they've understood. They've seen the light. I get the, I get the attitude, though. I get the attitude of like, what the hell? Like, you spent all this time attacking me, and now I'm supposed to, like, be your buddy because you came over? But if it's if it's sincere, if it's a sincere conversion, yeah. uh, yeah, you got to let go of that. You got to let go of all that and, like, get over it. I know it feels that way sometimes, but, you know, uh, <laughs> well, people like are going to be late to the party, and if you want to have a party, <laughs> you got to let them in. You let them in. We want people at the party. Laura says, who makes the judgment? over when there's enough penance. Exactly. Right, Laura. They That's a make, great point. They want, they want to make judgment. They, they want to pass judgment, the people saying this, just like SJWs, just right. like Nietzsche writes about in Tarantulas, the people who want to pass judgment and punishment. I don't want you at my party, you judgment pastors. I don't want you at my party, you friggin' puritanical scolds. And like, like I don't care how late she is at the party. She's at the party and... Like, if I were to look at what she's doing objectively, she's got a huge following and she's talking. So she's doing a lot. So, you know, and even if she weren't, even if she didn't have a following and she came to this event, there are people watching our channel who come, who wake up from this SJW ideology every day to varying degrees. I am thankful they're waking up for it. I'm not like, well, how many years did you spend preaching it? You know, not like, let me punish you for all of your past. No, you're, you're, you're in the middle of an awakening. You should treat these people with grace and and love and acceptance and not like scornful judgment. That's what they're coming over from. They're leaving that. Okay. I agree. I, <laughs> I probably wouldn't word it that way, but uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I I have a lot more empathy for people who have been on this side for quite a while because I've been on this side for quite a while and I know what it feels like to see someone be an enemy for ten years, opposing like literally trying to tear down everything good and then coming over to your side and there are mixed emotions there is that emotion and i'm just telling people it. check that emotion i get it i get you have that emotion i get it it's not a healthy emotion it's not constructive bring them over if they're sincere welcome them in because we need more people waking up to the craziness on the progressive left 
And you you having that, like holding that resentment isn't going to be helpful and it's not going to help you either. So and I and I also do, I also get that there are people who are skeptical of look, as anything gains steam and becomes more common, which we want this to be. We want people waking up to be more common. So as it becomes more common, there are going to be grifters and there are going to be people who say who maybe were making money as an SJW and then they're like, oh, now I'm going to make money as an anti-SJW, whatever. I get that. I get their charlatans. No, they just go where the opportunity is. So there's going to be that. And I get that skepticism. But don't treat everybody like that is all I'm saying. Give people the benefit of the doubt. That's all. And and I, I guess my passion and anger is coming because I'm still remembering that comment on Kelly's video where this guy was just ringing ringing her but putting her through the ringer and it's like dude she changed her beliefs she's running for office she does a youtube channel about her old ideology like what more do you want her to do right and you know what how pure are you that you get to sit in judgment of her it just bothered me i i think it's honestly i think just if i examine the psychology that that attitude comes from a very petty place of um, it's frustrating to be a voice that's not heard for a while, and then someone comes along and says the same thing, and they're heard a lot. I think it's just resentment. I think that's all it is. It's just kind of kind of this envious yeah. resentment, like, "Hey, I've been saying this for a long time. Why are you all listening to this new person who's saying it, uh, who used to be evil and now they're not evil or whatever?" You know, evil is a I'm being dramatic. Well, and a, you wouldn't use that word, but my point is like that's where it's yeah. coming from. And and you know, you got to remember. It's the ideas that matter, not your own ego, right? It's not your own. This isn't about it's like everyone knows I'm right. This is about what is right. And it's better to yes. have influential people call this stuff out for what it is. Okay, that was another one. Uh, Lacey Green, I think is her name. Lacey, I don't anyway. Her. Okay, so she's a very big, popular SJW YouTuber. I think her channel was called Go Green. Somebody in the comments clarify. Anyway, she was huge. And she did a lot of sex-positive SJW vlogging and YouTubing. And then she started dating an anti-SJW YouTuber, Chris Reagan. And she slowly started having an awakening. And then she came out against, she started coming out against SJW ideology. And there was a lot of resentment towards her, I think, where people were, like what you're saying, that's a great illustration, where people were like, well, we've been, we've been anti-SJW this whole time. And, you know, Lacey Green just now coming on board and blah, blah. And, and people were like almost mad. It's like, why wouldn't you welcome her to the party with her huge following? Right. She's here. It's not about your ego. It's not about this is about an evil ideology corrupting people's minds and influencing our culture. And I mean, this is about this is about something really important. This isn't about you. <laughs> right, and, that, and I think that's the fundamental thing. It's it's remember it's remembering that you know it's about the ideas. It's not about your own recognition. Like this isn't about getting recognition for fighting the enemy. This is about fighting the enemy. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, so anyway, it, this girl's video. Are we going to watch it? We've talked about it a lot now. Oh, Do I mean, watch I, it. We could. I don't. I don't really want to watch it because I don't want to plagiarize her video. Okay. I guess like we you could watch, watch parts. It. It's, it's not long, right? Yeah. Um, Just show the opening where she shows that woman screaming from Mikey's walk away event. Okay. This is from Mike uh, Carlos. Keep people entertained for a minute while I pull up the video then. Uh, 
I'll keep you guys entertained while I eat my salad. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, so if you haven't seen it, Carter actually went to the walk away event in San Francisco. That was the walk away event that basically didn't happen because the SJWs mobbed the theaters and sent a bunch of uh, lies about the walk away people and called them names. And so the venue pulled, pulled out at the last minute. And, uh, Hi. I'm Arielle. I'm a lesbian. And I don't think gender is a Sorry, do you construct. hear that? I don't think... I hear it, yeah. Sorry about that. I started pressing play by mistake. Okay. So, anyway, Carter's about to show you the beginning of Arielle's video in which she used some footage from that walkaway event of this just crazy woman screaming. This is what they do at events. They just scream. They get on the microphone and they scream and they make noise. But... Th that's again, that's a sign that it's a cult. They're not there to have a conversation as much as they lie about we want to have a conversation. No, they don't. They want to tell you what to believe. If you don't agree, they just want to yell at you and not listen to you. Yeah, they're definitely uninterested in conversation. Some of them admit now they don't care about conversation. But uh, all right. So this is I don't want to play her whole video, but uh, here's here's uh, here's her video. And this this person on the right here is the screamer from the walkaway move uh, event that Carrie just mentioned. Oops, I muted it. Let me unmute it. All right. I'm not one of them. Hi, I'm Arielle. I'm a lesbian, and I don't think gender is a social construct. I don't think cis straight white men are evil. I don't believe the genital preferences are transphobic or that there are 97 genders. I don't think that male sex offenders belong in women's prisons. I don't think it's normal for people to be praised for walking around with shirts that say kill turfs. I don't think like these people and I no longer want to be associated with them. I've reached peak LGBT. This is my coming out video. Never in my life have I been- <laughs> That's probably enough. I don't want to like keep going, but yeah. you get the idea. You get the idea. Um, yeah. Peak, peak Okay, LGBT. so. Speaking of screaming, not listening, not making arguments, can I read part of an article to you that I read this morning? Yeah, please. Okay. So this is in the College Fix. Um, the headline is video, Heather McDonald defends due process, debunks the one in five rape statistic as hostile crowd shrieks in protest. <laughs> Wait, so they're angry that it turns out fewer women are getting raped than they thought. <laughs> Thanks for making that point. Yes, I don't think I would have. That's exactly. Again, these people, it's like that C.S. Lewis quote. They want the world to be as dark as they say it is. And when you tell them it's not, they get angry. Yeah. Wait, one in five women are raped. Yes. You know, like, you're like, hey, it's not as bad as you thought, guys. And they're like, screw you, it is that bad. <laughs> okay. Um, Heather McDonald stood at a Colgate University podium last Thursday night in front of a hostile, emotional audience who barraged her during a Q&A with highly charged questions after she gave a speech there at the behest of the school's open discussion club. McDonald, author of The Diversity Delusion, How Race and Gender Pandering Corrupt the University and Undermine Our Culture, drew a protest of students, of course she did, who filled the auditorium, making it so that the, so those open to the Manhattan Institute Scholars Views could not get in. So they flooded, this is one of the things, they, they have a lot of different tactics for making sure you don't get to hear speakers you want to hear. They make noise over the top of it. They use uh, noisemakers. They use bullhorns. They scream like that woman we just showed. 
they buy all the tickets uh, when, oh gosh, who's the other, that OG walkaway girl, Cassie J did her documentary, The Red Pill, when the Red Pill movie, the documentary, this is a feminist filmmaker who had done a lot of SJWS or feminist, more affiliated feminist uh, documentaries. And she did a documentary about the men's rights movement and it ended up becoming a documentary about her Red Pill thing of walking away from some of this ideology. That film, when they when it started airing, they would buy up tickets so that you couldn't go see it. Yep. Like that's how that's how horrible they are. So anyway, they fill they fill the venue so you couldn't get into here if you wanted to. The plan among student activists was to listen to music with headphones or read a book by a quote radical during McDonald's speech and then bombard her with hard-hitting questions during the Q&A according to emails activists sent around before the event. <laughs> by so, the way, the idea that the leftist activists could come up with hard-hitting questions is funny to me, but go ahead. I know, it's hilarious. <laughs> but so, so they actually uh, emailed, this is what they said in their email to, to student activists. They said, um, we're, we're planning a quote, they called it nonviolent. I'm surprised violence didn't happen. It usually does at these things. Uh, protest in which participants held a sit-in. They first held a sit-in in the lobby leading to the lecture hall. Um, for those who ventured into the talk, they said, quote, you can be fully engaged in the speaker, though you probably won't want to be. <laughs> or take headphones, read your book, do homework, to disengage as the speaker is talking, end quote. So I'm reading that part specifically because this is what we talk about. They're not listening to her talk. They're not listening to anything she said in her talk. They're not there to hear her. They're not there to have a conversation. They're not there to engage. They're there to put on headphones and listen to music or to listen to something else while she's talking. And then to have the arrogance to stand up during the Q&A and think you have a right to ask her a question when you haven't bothered to listen to anything she said the whole time. You're just there to disrupt. It's so childish. But, and it's so cultish. And the fact that you get these emails from your activists who are telling you, it's just like the knitters on Instagram running around saying, hey, I noticed that you're following someone who's following someone who's following Maria Tuscan. <laughs> you should stop following them because I don't know if you know yet, but in our cult, we're not allowed to follow people who follow. That's what it is. We're like, hey, let's all go to this talk. And none of you guys listen to what she's saying, okay? Make sure you put your safety headphones in. Put your headphones in, okay? Everybody got your music playing? Cool. We're not going to listen to any of this. When it's over, we're all going to stand up like the cult members we are, and we're all going to say these questions. That's what they did. So during the Q&A, this girl stands up and uh, engages in a straw man argument, and she says, <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. She's, she's talking about how... Uh, in 2008, you wrote an article called The Campus Rape Myth, where you decided to claim that rape could be attributed to, quote, sluttish behavior and that it's women's fault for getting drunk. Now, that, none of that is a quote from Heather McDonald. That's the SJW interpreting her work and telling her what she said. That's what they do all the time. Right. She goes, uh, as someone who's been assaulted on this campus, do you believe that I am at fault? <laughs> Why are you laughing? I, it's just such a ridiculous, like... <laughs> yeah. Do you want to put to me in the gas chamber? Because that's what's implied. No. Yeah, that's... That's not ridiculous. implied. 
It's like yeah. it's like when you ask someone to defend themselves against outrageous claims, it just makes them look bad. The idea that there's even a claim like that against them makes them look bad. That's part of the point. Yeah. So she goes, uh, so anyway, the question drew a boisterous and prolonged round of cheers and applause from the <laughs> SJWs that went on for roughly 30 seconds as McDonald stood at the podium and collected her thoughts. Her reply showed that McDonald would not be cowered by the emotion and frenzy of the moment. So this is what McDonald said when they finally let her talk. She said, thank you for your question, and I do not know the facts of your incident, and I am very sorry for what dot, dot, dot. And it says, but whatever she said next was once again met with loud gasps and groans from many in the crowd. So they couldn't hear her anymore because they're all, oh, the crowd's like reacting. How dare you not be familiar with the incident? Yeah, and McDonald continued, I have no idea what each party was involved with, but I'm sure it was traumatic. Okay, so then the crowd starts chanting, does it matter, does it matter, came cries from the audience regarding the need for the facts of the case before weighing in. Yes, it does, McDonald responded, and affirmed it again amid more cries of shock. She said, quote, I am not going to presume what constitutes an assault unless I know the facts. End quote. Have you been raped? Have you ever been assaulted? Some called out. <laughs> <laughs> like this, I thank you for for um, allowing me to read this. It just it it bothered me because uh, I mean this is well I it didn't actually bother me. I've read so many of these now. It wasn't like it emotionally impacted me at all. It just it was a good example of all the stuff we're talking about about how seeing it unfold in the knitting world, like how cultish they are. They're not allowed to listen to or engage with anything they're there to disrupt. They're little puppets sitting in the audience doing what they're told, which is standing up and disrupting. They're asking these questions that have nothing to do with what she's saying. They're not listening to her answers. They're trying to make it personal and they're trying to put straw men in her mouth. And then if you think about what they're really saying, they're saying, does it matter? Does it matter? I mean, they're argue that's an argument against due process. Yes, it does matter. It does matter the facts of the case. You guys are like a mob with pitchforks. You just want to go and this this random woman stands up in the crowd and is like, I was raped. And they're like, yes, you were. They don't know. <laughs> they don't know who this guy. Let's go get that guy, right? Like, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Puppets no. with pitchforks, yes. <sighs> I agree with you. Uh, and it is definitely cultish behavior. Um, I, uh, I think as I've mentioned before, I spent part of my childhood <clears throat> you can't choose this when you're a child just to be clear in a cult um and uh yeah one of the one of the main rules was to not read or listen to anything that countered the ideas being taught so um it was literally you're prohibited from engaging in anything that could have you question the ideology and so you know, whenever anyone tells you to not read something or to not listen to something, that's a red flag. And it doesn't mean you have to go read and listen to everything all the time because there's also the other trolls who are like, well, have you read this book and this book and that book? And do you have a degree in women's studies yet? And blah, blah, blah. Like you don't have to read everything and become an expert in everything in order to, to debunk something, right? You can, uh, if you understand the principles uh, upon which it's built and you can debunk those, then you don't have to bother reading the rest of it. Like that's okay. But this idea that you shouldn't read or listen to the other side is 100% cultish. And um, it's only necessary because the, think about, think about this also. It's only necessary because the ideas that you believe are, are fragile, 
right? Talk, I mean, they use the phrase white fragility. I mean, talk about the fragility of the ideas on the left. They're, they are so fragile that any exposure, however incidental, to contrary ideas threatens their existence because a, an active mind might realize how, how what, what a house of cards the entire social justice ideology is, and it falls down very easily with just one little whiff. So it's, it's only fragile ideas that need to protect you from counterpoints or counter ideas. <laughs> Someone says, knit fragility. <laughs> that is a person's name, Ninja Kitty, but yes, knit fragility. Oh, she's, asking a, she's asking a question about the weird video glitches. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, thank you, by the way, good parent for, did you see that, Carter? What? Oh, yes, I, I did. I... Thank you, good parent. Thank you. Uh, good parent wants us to talk about, I don't know if you want us to talk about the Orwell lexicon, but we are actively kind of working on a lexicon of sorts. Uh, yeah, but thank you for the donation. Well, they say the opposite of, it, specifically if you want to talk about the Orwellian part of of it is is they they often say just like in 1984 you know war is peace freedom is slavery right they they engage in that all the time so they'll say like in the knitting drama we want to have a conversation we talk, they don't want to have a conversation they just want to have a one-sided lecturing and hectoring right um they'll say like we noticed the new sjw knitting uh colors that are coming operation social justice and they say that this is radical kindness. Well, it's not radically kind to bully people and to try and hurt their business and to try and hurt them emotionally and to manipulate them. And, you know, none of that is radically kind. Like, they use these words. That yeah, are the radical kindness opposite. is some of the most unkind thing, uh, behavior I've ever seen. Right. Yeah. And they also often tell you about themselves. Like, I we just really quickly, I know we've told this before, but... I had an interaction with someone yesterday or the day before. It had nothing to do with this ideology. It was a, it was like not approving an Airbnb guest fast enough or something. And this, and this guy, this man is like, why didn't you prove me? Are you discriminated against me? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, who are you? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what you look like. They don't even show photos on Airbnb until you approve someone. I'm like, how, what do you mean discriminate? I, literally, I was just too busy to hit to look at this guest, and the 24-hour window expired. And then he's like, uh, "You must be really what do he say? It was some kind of weird insult. Like you must be really insecure not to approve, and you must blah 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 blah." And started saying all this random shit. And I'm like, "I am so glad I accidentally didn't approve you." <laughs> <laughs> like you're telling me all this stuff about you. We know nothing about each other. We're too. <laughs> People in an app who've never met or talked, and you're like projecting all this stuff. It's amazing how much people project. Maybe like, this is a, this talk. should be a new theory or new um, procedure for Airbnb. You just wait till the window <laughs> expires and see how they react. And if they if they <laughs> yeah. if they don't go crazy, you reach back out and like, oh, sorry, I missed your your window. Yeah, I was like. I finally, I, he just went on and on, and I finally replied and was like, I have never been so happy not to have approved someone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but it was weird because the stuff he was saying, we don't know anything about each other. Think about how many times you're in an argument with someone online and they say things to you, and 
okay, if you don't know anything about your opponent, think, like a sword fight, right? And you're trying to think of where it will hurt like the other person, and you're like, I'm going to stick you there because that's where it would hurt me, right? That's that's how they tell you stuff about themselves. They Like whatever he said about being insecure, I'm like, that guy must be very insecure. That's why he said that. He thought it would hurt because it would hurt him because it's true about him. So yep, that's just an aside about the things that people reveal when they try and insult you. Yeah, they generally and, do. They, they tell you a lot about themselves. Um, yeah. You know, not- this is kind of ch- tangentially related, but I want to I want to bring it up uh, because I guess it's kind of it, the newspeak thing reminded me of it a little bit. But um, there's this phrase diversity, equity, and inclusion. You've seen this floating around, and and actually, even there are companies who have like they'll they'll put out diversity, equity, and inclusion statements. But whenever you see, I I, I tweeted something about this, and 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 um. The reason I want to bring it up is because maybe if you're not paying attention, um, it's not clear why this is a red flag. But those three words together, diversity, equity, and inclusion, those are, those are, it's a it's a form of signaling. It's a form of 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 signaling compliance to the progressive, radical progressive social justice agenda. And even though it might sound like, because you could look at that. And say, well, diversity sounds nice, and equity sounds nice, and inclusion, like those, sound nice. So why would you? Why would anyone have a problem with diversity, equity, and inclusion? That sounds nice, um, but that's. I, I hate to use the word dog whistle because I know a lot people use that. They misuse it a lot, but it's kind of this. It's this messaging um, that is meant to convey adherence to the radical social just, justice doctrine. And just to be clear, when they say diversity in that phrase, they don't mean diversity of ideas. They mean no diversity of ideas at all, but diversity of skin color and other immutable characteristics and stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, probably a lot of um, mental illness, right? That's what they mean by diversity. When they say equity, equity is a really, like equity is, is there's been this uh, sleight of hand that's happened in the past decade or so where people, instead of saying equality, they've started to say equity. Now, <sighs> equality traditionally meant equality under the law. It meant you shall be treated equally under the law. There is no such thing as actual equality. Like if you actually go and try and make people, like if you, you try to go for equality in the real world, it's just anti-life. I mean, we've read um, Harrison Bergeron, uh, that short story, we've talked about that before. E- people aren't equal. There's nothing equal inherently about people. But the word equality was taken to mean political equality, which is a noble goal, right? So the idea that people are all treated equally under the law. That's been replaced with this term equity, which sounds like it's kind of like equality, but equity is not like equality. Equity is about equality of outcome and ascribing univariate, usually racist causes to any differences that show up in outcomes. So Equity is literally Harrison Berger, and that 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 short story about you know the smart guy has to have the apparatus in his ear that like buzzes or makes a noise every once in a while so he can't think straight, and the the very athletic people have to wear weights so that they're just as slow as everyone else. Like that's what equity is about. Equity is about making everyone equally miserable and blaming people who are outliers on the positive end of a scale for any mediocrity for, for any trait, 
right? So equity is is horrible. It's anti-life. It's ultimately destructive. The only time you'll have ultimate equity is when we're all skeletons in a mass grave after the authoritarians have murdered us. That's equity. Then you're all then you're equal. Uh, you're all equity dead. is like huh? Equity is equity is death. And and a good parent points out in the chat that Gad Sag calls this die die religion. Mm, yep. Diversity, inclusion, equity, die. Yep. Anyway. And and you know again by inclusion they they don't mean they don't mean inclusion they mean exclusion of anyone who disagrees with the ideology that's that's what they mean so there it's really this diversity equity inclusion and or this I like die that's a cool acronym that it's not about the positive qualities that you associate with each of those words it's a it's a flag that you raise. To, to show we've taken over the ship. We control this entity now. We raise our die flag up. And that's that's to yeah. signal to the rest of the community the pirates own the ship now, right? The, the social justice pirates are in control. Yeah, we've converged upon this entity. We now own it. This is ours. It's exactly what it is. And that's, speaking of Orwellian, uh, that's what you just pointed out. Each of those words, it doesn't mean, diversity doesn't mean diversity. Inclusion doesn't mean inclusion. It means exclusion. And equity doesn't mean equality. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to do that aside. Uh, I don't know, Carrie. Do you have anything else uh, important you want to talk about? Um, why don't you pick a topic? I picked a couple. I got a couple little ones that aren't, they're not really important. Okay. I just have some fun ones. One is I want to shout out to Debbie Chandler, who is another knitter, small. She's not like one of these big time, lots of followers, but she also, I think it was over the weekend, came out as not liking this crazy social justice stuff happening in this mob mentality happening in the knitting community. So, um, wait a minute. What'd she do? Did she, I read? Did she? Uh, she posted a video. Here, I can try and find her video. Here's her video. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen hers. I want to see it. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Let's see. I'll stick it up here. Um, oh, how cool. I'm so happy this is happening. Yeah. Like there she is. Oops. This is probably in the middle of the video. But anyway. Hello. This is Debbie from the there she is. Knitter Podcast. Welcome again from my home or my craft studio. In Western Kentucky. I hope you all well and are having a, a delightful time. We actually have sunlight now, which has been one of the reasons. Anyway, I don't. I don't want to play the whole video. Closet. Yeah. Hi, Debbie. Yeah. My dog is. I would like to talk. My dog is from Kentucky. Nice. Anyway, I just <laughs> like, wanted to share that with everyone that that happened. And uh, uh, is is that her name, Elizabeth Cantankerous Knitter? Uh, yeah, so she was saying that part of, I watched her videos, uh, apparently she's thinking about changing it to cantankerous needlework or something because she does more than knitting, but yes, that's cantankerous knitter, yeah. Very cool, I, I'm just, I'm so happy these are happening and people are making videos and coming out against this belief system, and I spent some time the over the weekend, I looked at a bunch of the, um, SJW knitting threads, and they are some of the big knitters are talking about it now, but they won't name or link to anyone they're talking about. 
which again, I think shows that things are changing. They also are, as you've seen, they're hyper uh, actively blocking people and they're cutting themselves off into this little tiny, this little echo chamber, which is great. I don't think they realize the mobbing and the stuff is not going to be as effective if they completely continue to isolate themselves until no one's listening to them except themselves. Um, they seem to not be aware of that, that they like the reason why the original mobbings happened is they were naming and they were linking to these people they were abusing and they were all heaping abuse on these people. And now they're saying, don't go there. Don't follow them. Don't follow anyone that follows these people. Don't link to them. Let's not, you know, and so you're, it's hard to bully people when you've, you've, uh, isolated your bullying and just talking amongst yourselves. So continue to do that. Continue to sit in your little cult and talk amongst yourselves. And um, the funny thing is that they also, they're, they seem to think that by blocking you can't read what they're saying. Their, their profiles are public. A lot of them, they're still public. Yep. You just go on with a different handle. I'm like, what are you talking about? I can still see what you're saying. And so there's hundreds of them and they're all just repeating the same mantra and the same uh, talking points. And it's like they're copying and pasting. And it made me think of that scene in Stranger Things where they all these um, zombified. Remember where they all kind of go and like become part of the blob? Oh it's yeah, like, yeah. Ew! It's like they're all in their little basement together, like like uh, becoming part of the whole. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, it is gross. It is gross. By the way, uh, just so you know, Carrie, um, in chat. <clears throat> Keith and Daniel Taylor, Taylor are having a little conversation. Um, Daniel thinks we're still at war with Oceania, but Keith points out that we've always been at war with Eurasia. Um, but I'm sorry, Keith, we've always been at war with Oceania. So I'm not sure. Would Maybe. you please explain that reference for people who don't know? That's a... Oh, do I have to? <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. It's 1984. It's a reference to 1984. And... Uh, the changing narratives in the news and just pretending like nothing. It's all, we've always been at war with Oceania. It's always been that way. That's all. Yeah. Uh, no, it's nothing, nothing very exciting. I have a funny thing to share with you, Carrie. Yes, please. Remember the other day, um, we don't talk about politics too much, but remember the other day we were talking about Bloomberg and his chances for winning the presidency or that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, um, and I said, I don't think he could handle Trump. Now, I do want to say, just for people who don't understand this, when someone predicts Trump will win, that doesn't mean they want him to win. They're just predicting that he will win. Um, that might not be the case for me. But anyway, <laughs> this, is, this is an example of what I mean, how Bloomberg can't handle Trump. I'm just going to show you this, this uh, image. Bloomberg takes out ads that says Donald Trump cheats at golf. And how does Trump respond? Mike Bloomberg cheats at mini golf. That's Trump. That's why. That's hilarious. That's, Trump is funny. You don't have to like him. Trump is funny. So. Okay. That's yeah. That's why. You you got to get better game, but but I think again I think he's hired some of the right people. He just needs somebody who thinks like that who can come back with some witty thing. But you opened. <laughs> right up you opened it right up you opened yourself up to that yeah 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> Wombat says, I nearly choked on my tea. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Great trolling. Great trolling. Right. I just, and it was like three minutes later. I mean, according to this screenshot, I didn't actually see the thing, but <laughs> it was right away. He cheats at mini golf. <laughs> I'm sure he'll get in trouble for short shaming. Is that a thing? Is short shaming a thing? You know why this is funny, too, is it makes you think of, like, cartoons, like old Looney Tunes. It's like, ah, damn you, you won again, you know? It's like the Roadrunner <laughs> and the, the Wile E. Coyote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, uh, speaking about diversity, equity, inclusion, someone in chat reminded where I had seen that and why it was on my Twitter feed. Uh, <clears throat> it was... Um, the Girl Scouts released a diversity, equity, and inclusion statement. I don't know if it was the whole Girl Scouts or one chapter of the Girl Scouts, but uh, so there. So RIP Girl Scouts. There you go. At least they still have good cookies. Um, Carrie, did you see that Harvey Weinstein was convicted? No. Well, that's cool. I mean, I think that's good. Yeah, I mean, I think he was acquitted on a couple of the, the big charges, but he was convicted on... Uh, committing a criminal sex act in the first degree and rape in the third degree, which I had to look up. I don't know. I don't know why I don't just call it statutory rape. I don't. It could mean like it's like rape with someone who has the inability to consent. I think is that one. Um, and I think he's facing other charges as well. So that's some good news, I guess, that he's he got convicted. Um, although I have seen someone already start to. <laughs> Someone on Twitter is trying to make Weinstein didn't kill himself trend. So we'll see, we'll see Why? how that goes. The presumption being that he will eventually he, be found dead. Oh, in no, no, cell. he won't. He, he doesn't have anything on, on the elites the way that Epstein did. I don't, think, I don't think he does either. But he did certainly hang out with a lot of elite, um, including a lot of Hollywood elites. So. Yeah, but that's just like scum rubbing elbows with scum. It wasn't like he was a keeper of their secrets. I mean, he knew some of them. He did. If you guys didn't hear, um, he did. There was the book that came out that Rowan Barrow just published. I forget the name of it. I haven't read it yet, but he. I do want to read that. Um, but he talked about how when he was originally working on the Weinstein story, the network he was working on it for, was it NBC? Do you remember? Um. I thought it was ABC, but I don't. I don't. Totally it might have been okay. It might have been ABC. They killed the story. No, no, no. It was NBC. It was NBC. Okay. ABC killed the ABC killed the Epstein story. Oh, okay. NBC killed the Weinstein story. I see. So yeah, Ronan right, Farrow right. was working on. Yeah, Ronan Farrow was working on the Weinstein story. NBC killed it, and part of the reason they killed it was because Weinstein's people said, "If you run this story, we're going to tell the world about Matt Lauer." This is before the Matt Lauer Me Too stuff had come out. So he did know some people's dark secrets, but not like Epstein did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, someone says something in chat about Obama whistleblower being suicided. I don't actually know who that is. I didn't hear that. So if you've got information, just post it in chat and we'll look it up. But that's what we got. So um, let's see. There's this other... Um, did you see this Vice article, um, Carrie? No. This Vice article about abolishing the family? No? You didn't see it? No. All right. I'm going to pull it up. 
Oops, that doesn't look like it worked. Well, let me try that again. Okay. So, um, we can't have a feminist future without abolishing the family. Oh, gosh. So, this is one of those ones that I, I, I'll admit that I have trouble processing because I get like a, an immediate emotional response to. So, thinking however, clear, clearly is a little harder. Yep. However, remember, we just did a whole daily kafefe, if you guys haven't seen it yet, uh, on a David Brooks piece about the nuclear family was never normal with some, well, that was like kind of like the headline, something like that. And you had the same reaction, but when you read it, you actually liked the article. So your prejudice or whatever it is that you're feeling towards this, it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's prejudicing, prejudicing you against the content. I have a feeling that the content of this is going to be more like what we thought the other one was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> your feeling was validated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I read it anyway, obviously. Um, and, and actually having just read the Atlantic article, I was thinking, well, maybe I'm prejudging this article. It is in vice after all, and they're great. So, um, that's a lie. I, I started to read this. So she's a feminist. And by the way, speaking of the Atlantic article, this is how she responded to that same Atlantic article. This is the difference between us. I gave up after two minutes, admittedly. But let it be known that I incredulously started reading it. So she didn't even read the Atlantic article. Because, uh, you know, when you're no, on the no, left, no, no, you don't no. actually have to read. That's so, not her. Yeah, this, her argument no, here, no, I don't no, actually no, no. want to... Carter, that's not her. Scroll up. What? Scroll up. Who's the name of the author of this piece? Marie, Mary Solis. Oh, she's writing it about someone named Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. I was, that wasn't clear to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So sorry. I guess we should we should back up. So this is a Sophie Lewis is this feminist thinker they call her, and you know she 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 has the she has the kind of standard more radical uh, which you haven't seen as much more radical feminist. Uh, perspective that the family is basically a tool of oppression and should be abolished and that um giving ch giving childbirth uh going through childbirth like uh enduring labor is work which it is but because it's work that you don't get paid for it somehow it's just something that society makes you do and it's less natural than 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 socially constructed in some way and that she views this and and you know families aren't aren't all that great and wouldn't it be better if we had a world in which everyone loved everyone else and took care of everyone else and um, instead of having a small family you had you know your chosen family and you know the truth is it sounds like this woman had a pretty horrible family so Sophie I'm sorry that your home life sucked so much that you hate families now but um it's this weird kind of feminist, uh, old school feminist utopian idea of basically getting rid of any sort of differences in gender with respect to raising children. Um, she actually described, you know, one of your favorite stories, The Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. She says that that's not a feminist dystopia. That's a feminist utopia because they are all 
equally oppressed regardless of whether they're their <gasps> gender or sorry regardless of their race or anything else it's women are all equally oppressed um as women and that's that's the utopia that women are equal and um and she oh my yeah God. <laughs> she's admitting what we say which is that they won't be happy equity won't be over until we're all equal in the rubble they she they look at something like the handmaid's tale and they're like yeah, all the women are being oppressed, and uh, that sucks. But they're all being oppressed uh, equally when it in regards to race. So this is utopia, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so stupid. Right. Yeah, she wants a brave new world. Debbie Chandler says, "Yeah, yeah, she wants a brave new world." So, uh, um, also, just like go ahead. We, will you tell, we will you tell about... me more about this piece though, because I haven't read it, and I'm looking for it right now as you're talking. Oh, okay. Um... I can hear. I'll, I'll just copy the link and give it to you. Sorry, everyone. Okay. You're gonna have to wait for me to send the link to Carrie. There you go. But I mean, is there is there something in here, a part of this that you should read out loud? Is there yeah. Like so a- I'm gonna. So again, another thing that she talks about here. Um, I'm gonna read this because this is this speaks to the actual political undertones of all of this. Um, even though. Even those of us who might call our family situations relatively happy should sign on to this project. So this project is getting rid of family. Surrogacy, she calls it. Um, They should sign on to this project of demolishing their essential structure, Lewis says. Nuclear households create the infrastructure for capitalism, passing wealth and poverty down family trees, concentrating in the hands of a few at the top of our class hierarchy, maintaining the traditional family structure over time has also meant exploiting people of color and disowning queer children. So she's naming bad things that happen in families and really not anything good that happens in families. Um, there's, you know, I, I, there's actually not a lot of meat here. She's very into pop culture. So she, she writes all about all these shows that I've not watched, I guess, um, and talks all about how Actually, in the 70s or in the 60s, this idea of getting rid of families wasn't a big deal, but now people think it's a big deal. And she she decries kind of modern feminism. She says over the lack or the writer says over the last decade, feminism has been seemingly emptied by any remaining actual politics in order for it to be subsumed by brands, marketing empowerment. In the post-lean-in climate, still very much dominated by girl bosses and CEOs, mainstream feminism, feminism can appear as though it has been completely divorced from its radical roots. So this is her goal to kind of get it back to its radical roots. Um, I, there's just, I mean, the reason I didn't want to spend a lot of time on this article is there's just not a lot here. There's not a lot intellectually here. This is really just, it's really just what I said. She wants to get rid of families because... They're, it's the oppressive patriarchy, basically, and um, and we and families have problems sometimes, and don't they all suck? And shouldn't we live in a brave new world in which, no pun intended, shouldn't we live in a brave new world in which um, kids are raised by communities and uh, people who are going through childbirth are supported by a community rather than just their family? And um, so she's just, um, she's just reviving an an old radical feminist idea from the 70s this is right this is this shulamus firestone this is uh the dialectic of sex this is she argued in the 70s firestone argued in the 70s for 
test tube babies, children who are raised by adults who are not related to them, you know, family bonds that can be dissolved at will and, you know, this reimagining, like getting rid, just like Brave New World, getting rid of the biological family unit and viewing it as something gross and distasteful. Yes, and she admits that. She she admits that she's not inventing okay. anything new. She's just kind of reviving what was old. Um, one term I guess we can expect to start seeing. Remember we talked about radical kindness earlier in the program? Radical <laughs> kinship. My guess is that radical kinship has nothing to do with kinship. Uh, but... That's that's what she's she's talking about. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to bring that to your attention that this kind of crap is going around. I, there's nothing really to say about this other than I do feel bad for this woman because it doesn't sound like her family life was very good. She did not get along with her father. Her father at times seems like a jerk, but I can't tell um, because it's all her side of the story. So, uh, you know, who knows? But it's... But, but it's also lots of people don't have good childhoods or family life. And that doesn't mean that you throw, you know, the the baby out with the bat. That to me is like a form of nihilism being justified by trauma you haven't dealt with from your past. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Um, I mean, I think the question is why are there broken families? And, and there are broken families because there are broken people. And so... Now the question is, like, how do people get broken? And and those are important questions for society to ask. Um, and what is she doing? She's repeating the cycle. She's like, let's break more people. Um, yes. Maria Tuscan says this reminds her of a young adult novel called The Giver. And somebody else in chat, Elizabeth, says The Giver is very good. I haven't read that before. I'm going to check that one out. I haven't either. I've heard, um, it. I've heard of it, actually, but I don't know. Any, you know, someone else says, um, someone else in chat, and, and I want to talk about this a little bit. I, I Lindsay Peterson says, fix capitalism, do not throw it out. But how do you indoctrinate, how do you convince indoctrinated young people? This is the, this is one of the... Before we talk about capitalism, can we talk a little more about the family? Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Okay. Just because you're going to get into capitalism and my eyes are going to glaze over and then I won't remember (laughs) what I want to say about family. (laughs) I'll I'll be quick when I do it, but okay, let's do family first. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> sorry um i was just saying <laughs> somebody says why do you guys always do this i have to quit looking at chat okay so i i was i was talking about this with the fellow this morning is a lot of the feminists speak in this woman makes me think of one of them this lewis woman is probably one of them a lot of my fellow female sjw's the hardcore sjw's they <sighs> They want to deny some essential truths. They want to pretend like there's no differences between men and women on average, like there are none. And that's not true. And they also want to pretend like they don't want a lot of the women anyway, the straight women in the movement. They want to pretend like um, what they want is an emasculated, like a man who's a woman inside or something, like a man who, who... uh, behaves like a woman on average or something, but that's not really what they go after. And I think about, this is just anecdotal, but I think back to the women I know who, who would bemoan the fact that they were attracted to guys who were more masculine and in more masculine fields and more what they would call like cavemanish or whatever. And it's kind of like at the end of the day, their biology betrayed themselves you know, they would say one thing, but they are attracted to this other thing. And 
and I think I think that's uh, the the same thing that that happens with with SJW f- feminists and their relationship to masculinity and men and to heterosexual relationships, the way that they get it twisted and they try to force themselves into something they don't actually feel, I think they try to do the same thing with families. I think they try and deny, um, like, not that all women want to have kids. All women don't. I know plenty who don't. But they try and and teach women that it's just as natural not to want to have kids, that that it's some kind of, it's just as natural. And, and it's, and it's not like it's more innate and born. It's more inborn that you will have that desire. Um, it's a biological drive. Like, so anyway, I'm just kind of rambling there, but those are some thoughts about how I was having that conversation about just how they, they, they're opposed to anything that is traditional. And that means that they're necessarily opposed to things, some things that are biological in nature that come from biology yeah, I mean, I, I I view feminists actually as as women who refuse to take responsibility for anything. Um, also, like that in general, there's a there's a feminist um, attitude, and and actually you've seen this leak into mainstream society. Let's talk about mate selection just for a moment because you talked about being attracted to this guy or that guy. When someone says like, oh, uh, you know this guy turned out to be bad, like I didn't know, and he changed. No, he didn't. He didn't change. People don't change. He didn't. You didn't date some guy who was good or marry some guy who was good and turned out bad. You chose poorly. You, you didn't look for the right traits, and you chose poorly. Take some ownership of that. I've chosen poorly, right? People choose poorly sometimes, but you'll never correct your behavior if you don't own the choice. And so many, so many people get off the hook, especially, I've noticed this especially with women, I don't know why this is on my mind right now, but I've noticed especially with women in relationships, they get away with saying this crap like, oh, he turned bad. No, he didn't turn bad. You chose a bad guy, he exercised his badness, and eventually you realized it was bad and left. Like, there's no, there's no responsibility. No one is saying, you know, you really need to you're responsible for your choices. Um, yeah. You know, there's, I forget, um, I forget who said this. It, it was someone kind of like Tony Robbins. It might have even been Tony Robbins. I don't remember. It was someone like one of those self-help type of people. Um, but I remember saying like, you know, a lot of women will go out and uh, and they'll, they'll want a boat. So they go and they buy a car and they bring it home into the garage and they start hitting it with a hammer to shape it into a boat. And they're like, I wanted a boat. And he's like, well, why don't you just buy a boat? Like, that's what you're doing in relationships. Like, if you want a boat, buy a boat. But, like, women are trying, like, well, I want a guy who's this and that and the other thing. But then that's not who you date. That's not who you end up in a relationship with. Um, so, you know, I think women just are not taught to notice red flags and to prioritize the qualities that would that would be important in a long-term relationship. Um, so, you know... <sighs> Live with your mistakes. At least own up to your mistakes. It's okay to make a mistake. We all make mistakes, but own up to it because you're not going to get. You're not going to improve at all if you don't own up to your mistake. You're just going to make the same mistake again. That's all. I just want to say that Carter that has given me that boat car analogy before <laughs> <laughs> in my personal life, and you actually helped me to shake off a bad relationship a long time ago. Remember that? Uh yes. 
Yes. And and he gave me that. He was like, Carrie, you're in the garage with the hammer. You're trying to turn the car into a boat. I'm like, oh, I am. (laughs) There are boats out there you could buy. Just get rid of the car and go buy a boat. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, I will be. I'll be quick about my capitalism comment, but I do want to make okay. a capitalism. Go comment. ahead, make it. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm sure. Yeah, someone hold Carrie's eyes open with toothpicks, please, for this part. We need a. We need an intern. So, uh, capitalism is this funny word because no one really knows. Not no one. Many people don't understand what capitalism means anymore because you're not taught what capitalism actually means, and you're also told that you live in a capitalist society. You do not. You live in a mixed economy. There are elements of capitalism, and there are elements of socialism. There's elements of lots of things in this economy. So um, if you'll notice, and this should, this should make you suspicious, if you'll notice when anything goes wrong, the mainstream kind of normal response is it's a problem with capitalism. You never hear it's a problem with not enough capitalism or it's a problem with the state or it's a problem with these regulations. You never hear that. You only hear it's a problem with capitalism. And I want to be, I, I just want to like clarify how I view capitalism and how, what capitalism is. Capitalism is just private property. It's just, it's just, it's just individual rights. It's just private ownership, individual rights. It's laissez-faire capitalism is just leave people alone, let them do their own thing. It is not cronyism. It doesn't involve bank bailouts. It doesn't involve special monopolies granted to the Federal Reserve. It doesn't involve, uh, you know, defense contracts to large companies that are lock out other people. That's not, all of that is, when, when anything is, when the state is involved, it's not capitalism. The healthcare system was not a mess because of capitalism. It was a mess because the government has had their nose in healthcare increasingly for 100 years, almost probably, right? A long, long time. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So, you know, the Occupy Wall Street movement is a movement that I've brought up to illustrate this point. People complaining that there was cronyism and corrupt, horrible things happening with Wall Street. And they, I think their anger was, was totally legitimate, totally correct. Blaming capitalism was a misplaced blame. You've been taught to blame capitalism because your schools have taught you that capitalism is you know, Scrooge McDuck sitting around hoarding gold coins and buying off senators. That's not capitalism. Capitalism is private property, voluntary exchange, limited or no government. Like capitalism is minimal government, no government interference in the economy. That means they don't pick winners. They don't, you don't, you don't, you can't bribe a senator to make your competitor go out of business. You can't, you don't, you don't buy uh, exclusive rights to the airways, for example. You don't like that's not capitalism. All of that is statism. All that is elements of statism that have encroached into capitalism. No one's actually done pure capitalism, but the United States came much closer than anyone else. And while it was that, while it was purely capitalist, it was phenomenally successful. And I don't, I know that we view our nation as, as this nation of debt, and that's true. But as recently as I think. I don't know, maybe during Reagan's administration, maybe right before, maybe it was before Reagan, but we were, we were a creditor. We were the world's creditor. We, people owed us money. Now we're the world's largest debtor. But none of that is, like, none of that is capitalism. So, you know, when people, when people argue about, like, capitalism is the problem, 
you were not in capitalism. Be, be careful about that argument. And Bernie running around saying that, like, capitalism needs to be fixed because there are billionaires. Like, billionaires aren't a problem in pure capitalism. Billionaires are a problem in cronyism. And that's where we are. And there are plenty of people who've gotten billions of dollars because they're connected to the right person. And that's not pure capitalism. And I just want to, and by the way, just as a, a clear thing, I've, I'm not going to go into this because Carrie's eyes will glaze over even more, but regulation generally helps the rich people and hurts the poor people. Business regulation prevents competition from startups. So like you want to ensconce large monopoly companies and give them more and more power and have more and more billionaires, you increase regulation. And yet the people who complain about the large companies and the billionaires always want more regulation. So I think that's the end of my rant. How are your eyes I doing, think, Carrie? They glazed over? Well, I think, well, when you said Scrooge McDuck, my ears perked up. So <laughs> I was thinking, I like your rant. To make it more engaging for people like myself, perhaps you could use a lot of different cartoon characters. Not just Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> Not just Scrooge. I'm kidding. No, I get what you're saying. And I didn't actually, I didn't actually think about a lot of that stuff or, I mean, I was one of these people you're talking about. I used to talk about capitalism without knowing what I was talking about. And I was talking about cronyism. So. Yeah. And, and the truth is we like, we have a problem with cronyism. Like we absolutely do. So, you know, one of the things I don't like about a lot of the conservatives and people on the right is that they. Um, they're very vocal about things like welfare, right? They they'll go after like, hey, this is this is you know this is socialism. Yes, that is it is it's you're stealing tax dollars from someone and giving them to someone else. Yes, but they never mention anything about all of that crap that happens with large companies, right? They never you never hear the right say like Lockheed Martin is is you know profiting from socialism. I'm picking on them because I used to work for like like they're they're profiting from socialism. Yeah, they're profiting from tax dollars the same way, and so is Wall Street. Like you never hear them go after Wall Street for this. Um, you only hear them go after, uh, you know, welfare. And and uh, people on the left who are compassionate see that, and they're like, "Well, those asshole conservatives, like they don't care about the, you know, they only care about big companies." And to some extent, they're right. If you're not arguing against both forms of welfare, corporate welfare and uh, individual welfare. Then you're picking sides. I think all of it's horrible. I'm not kidding. I think we should do. I think we should do an unsafe space video. That that's where we animate it, where you talk about some of these ideas and it's animated. And it's it sounds condescending to do this for leftists, but it's not. They will pay attention better if you do it like okay so you know michael i used to adore michael moore movies i loved michael moore i went to see him every time they came out in theaters do you remember how in bowling for columbine he did an animated video that he ripped off from the south park guys because the south park guys wouldn't animate this bit for him so he did a bit and used the same style as them so people thought it was a south they thought south park did it and it was about taking people's guns away and it was like a little cartoon that you need to you you have to almost talk to I'm saying this is someone whose eyes still glaze over and I'm more interested in this than I've ever been. And I used to not be at all. <laughs> you you almost have to talk to some people on the left when you start talking about money and capitalism and cronyism. 
put it in cartoon like you would for a child. I look, Carrie, I have wanted to make animated videos about this kind of stuff forever. <laughs> it's just, I, I, it's a lot of work. We don't have the resources. So if there's an animator who wants to come in and help us do it, great. Uh, in chat, hint, hint, anyone does animation. Uh, but yeah, we just don't have the resources to put that together right now. But I think I totally agree. <laughs> It'll be good. There's one of those apps now where you can actually, we can try and use like the stop motion animation <laughs> where you just like, you program the characters and they come in. Anyway. Yeah, no, I've, I've uh, actually played around with those. It's just a pain, you know, we, we just, you know, we just need, we just yeah. need time and, and resources. A budget. But yeah, uh, absolutely. I think it would be good. I don't like when your eyes glaze over, Carrie. And if I could I think of other cartoon characters besides Scrooge McDuck, I would. I was tuned in. I was there. You were, you were there? You were tuned in? All right. Yeah. Well, on that note, maybe we should end it. Is there anything else you want to chat about? No, I'm good. Uh, happy to be back this week. Uh, happy Monday, guys. If it's your first time watching, you can follow. You can go to our website at unsafespace.com. You can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a Facebook group. We have a book club book, a, a book club group on Facebook, Unsafe Space Book Club. We're currently reading The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. I know I keep saying we're going to announce a date soon. This week we're picking the date and we're going to announce it. Um, and uh, if you want to support us, if you can support us financially, only if you can. We've had people personally apologize to us when they have to end their subscription because of hard financial times. You don't have to do that. This is a gift. You should only be donating if you can afford to donate anyway. And if you can't afford, we don't take any of that personally. We, If you can't donate, share the video, like the video, participate in chat. All of that is, we're happy you're at the party. <laughs> but if you can support us, then uh, we have a subscribe star. And you can donate a dollar. You can donate a million, a Scrooge McDuck amount of money. And, One million dollars. Uh, that that much one billion yes <laughs> you can support us there we have a gift shop at unsafespace.com in the shop we have t-shirts and hats and stuff so um yeah check us out if it's your first time here come back tomorrow we do live daily cafes on mondays and fridays tuesdays wednesdays and thursdays are pre-recorded and we're going to be doing some more interviews coming up in the next couple weeks so we're going to have some longer form content on deprogrammed and some of the other some of the other videos that we do Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Carrie. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Carter. <laughs>